Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is the president and CEO at Praxis Precision Medicines, Marcio Souza. How are you today? Hey, hey, Jared. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. Let's dive right in. Tell the audience awesome. a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, may, maybe I'll talk a little bit about myself and Praxis, kind of intertwined. I think it's a, it's a cool way to, to start a conversation, right? So passionate about CMS, uh, drug development, and use at the end of the day, helping patients. Uh, that's what attracted me to, to Praxis, having dealt with that, like my entire life, actually, like you see uh, how much needs that is uh, on brain disease in general, how little has been done on the last two decades or so, uh, mostly because we don't really understand a lot uh, what's going on. So when I first heard about Praxis, the work was being done, uh, the ideas that came from our co-founder and CSO, Steve, uh, and got me really excited uh, and really aligned on the mission at the end of the day that is to bring these drugs to patients and keep doing it again and again uh, until we're not needed anymore. Uh, I think that hopefully you're going to get that pretty soon. What's Praxis's approach and, and how does your technology work today? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the way we look into uh, brain disease in general, right? So we, we can, like in many other conditions, I would say, unfortunately, to just go and access the tissue, right? You can just, uh, in a normal course of, of helping someone uh, with, with a brain condition, just open up their skull and get a piece of it and understand what's going on there. Uh, so we have to use uh, surrogates, uh, I would say, to what's going on. And, and one of the ideas that we have that, proves to be uh, quite successful is by looking into one degree of separation, genetic disease, and how they influence the brain networks. And then asking the question, if we do uh, try to manipulate that, like positively manipulate that, would that have an impact for a broader population or for that specific genetic disease? So we call that inspired by genetics, but not necessarily just tied one by one with genetics. Uh, what allow us to do is to be uh, quite open about the modality uh, and a lot more married to the biology. Uh, so understanding the process itself, uh, going there and trying to correct the process uh, with a small molecule, with a biologic, with an ASO. At this point in time, we have four programs in the clinic. Three of them are small molecules. One is an ASO. But for example, our next candidate is an ASO. So we don't actually choose uh, a priori. Uh, we choose what is best for the condition, for the way we actually uh, understood the biology to help patients. And in your, in your space, what, what do you see as still some of the major, I guess, blockers that, that you have to deal with um, on a daily basis? And maybe w without going into to too much, uh, you know, um, of... The intricacies of the business, but how are you kind of combating those? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, there's still a lot of stigma about CMS, uh, brain uh, disorders in general. Uh, it's mostly invisible to a lot of people. So when you're talking about like we have uh, a number of programs in epilepsy, we have a program in uh, essential tremor, there's a movement disorder, right? Uh, for the majority of the time a patient is suffering from this condition is not on anyone else's eyes. So we're not talking about it, we're not seeing it, it's happening. They're suffering uh, a lot uh, from it and the families and everyone around them. 
but the visibility is not quite there. So the awareness is still, I would say, could be improved significantly uh, despite the, the number of people uh, being affected by those conditions directly and indirectly. I think the second is the measure, right? Because there's very little development, the, the way to measure the impacts has not developed as much as in other conditions. Uh, so when you're talking about, for example, tremor, it's not the tremor the issue. The issue is how the tremor affect people's life, right? Uh, like having a tremor, and I'm not minimizing that whatsoever. I actually think it's super uh, complex. But when you talk to patients, what they care about is they can't help their grandkids or their kids. They can't dress. They can't drink by themselves. So that aspect and how we considering current regulatory framework transform that into endpoints is a very interesting challenge and, and one that we've been uh, solving together with the patients, but definitely a challenge. On the epilepsy side, uh, fortunately, I would say patients don't seize continuously for the most part. But unfortunately, it means that counting the seizures and seeing them, it's a little bit challenging as well, right? And showing to the world that the impact it has on the mortality of those conditions, on the early unfortunate mortality of those conditions. So those are the, uh, I would say, higher level patients impact ones. But then you go earlier on the development, goes back to the brains is still unknown. Right? We know a little bit about it, but there's a lot we don't know. Uh, and when you affect one thing, there are networks that got affected. So we take a network disease approach uh, we don't believe that it's just like you fix one protein, you fix one pathway, and everything is fine. No, we need to ask ourselves, what is the impact globally in the brain and in health uh, of patients? And that is still challenging uh, on the day-to-day -day of the business. What is the potential of both Embold and Embrave studies, and what do you think those could mean for patients? Yeah, so the, those are two studies in development encephalopathy, right, or, or DEs. Uh, where we see patients not only having very severe seizure, but also having a huge impact on their life in general and development, right? Uh, there's a misconception that those patients are like not there uh, in terms uh, of their developmental. I actually tend to disagree with that. Uh, they are there, right? We just need to unlock the ability for them to, to be able to interact with the world. So, but it's both on developmental stop and on the, on the seizures condition. What, we're taking two approaches for this disease. One is a very specific modification on the gene that in this case is defective uh, for, with APRAX222. We've been very successful on the first cohort of patients with those uh, once a month injections. And, and what you're seeing is quite, uh, I would say unprecedented reduction in seizures increasing the number of days they don't seize at all, which you can imagine as a parent, as a grandparent, like a, as a family in general, just not having a seizure that day, how important it is. Uh, that program now we're gonna be discussing with the FDA pretty soon, how to move forward, how to truly bring this to patients through an approval in the near future. I uh, knock on woods, uh, that's gonna be successful. For the other program you mentioned, uh, the study is a little bit different because what you're trying to do with Prax 562 uh, is modify the disease for a broader uh, number of genes. So it's, it's, instead of specifically one, like two, but looking to that more broadly, obviously completely different challenge, right? So those populations are heterogeneous. 
These patients are not exactly the same. Uh, we're incredibly excited because the preclinical data in genetic models really supports this approach. We're gonna have data for that program in the first half of next year. So very excited to get to the milestone and be able to help these patients as well. Looking at the, the year ahead, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for the company and really what excites you and the team the most? Yeah, it, it's hard not to be excited by any of the little pieces and or big ones that they were tackling. Right, when you think about the size of the impact number of people, maybe that's the way I would measure right now. Uh, there is absolutely nothing that is effective for essential clinical. So it's easy to get uh, excited about that from the, the good we can do to society. There's about 7 million patients in the US suffering from that. Uh, and it would be the first drug in 60 years or so uh, that reached phase three and would potentially be approved. So incredibly excited. Uh, we're recruiting on the study right now. It's the largest ever conducted study in this disease. So we're not only going to understand the drug, we're going to have a lot of insights about the patients and how they live. Also taking a slightly different approach or maybe a large different approach here. Uh, when we ask patients like what it would take for them to contribute more to their peers, one of the things became very clear, it's very hard for them to go to sites uh, and to, uh, those are in the case of essential tremor, slightly older uh, patient population. So incredibly difficult to go through five, six hours of visits, one or two hours of like getting there from a transportation perspective uh, and working with a, a network of physicians that are experts on the fields. We designed a study that actually bring the site, bring the experts to their home. Uh, so very, uh, not sure how innovative it truly is, but, uh, but really patient conscious and, and disease conscious uh, here, understanding uh, what is the need versus trying to fix that into only one-sided need. So uh, that is exciting on both approaches, right? Not putting a whatsoever uh, in terms of the quality of the trial, minim minimizing that at all. It's actually, to some extent, increasing the quality of the trial, better acquisition of data, better monitoring in general, uh, but really uh, meeting the patient where the patient is. And then on the epilepsy conditions, right? We have three programs. We talked about two of them that are for pediatric uh, patients, which I, I think as a society is very easy to, to get attached to it, right? We, we care about kids. Uh, we care about them having a healthy life for themselves, for the society, for their parents. But equally important are the adults living with these conditions, like people like you and I uh, that really can't carry on with their lives as we would, as we would like to, because they're having like the fear on the back of their mind, they would have another seizure, they'll not be able to perform. And the current medications are quite toxic in terms of what affect the other parts of their brain and, and outside of the brain. So six to eight is the drug that we believe is gonna solve a lot of those problems. Uh, we have a redoubt coming up uh, as well. So different types of excitement, but I would say excited uh, across the board for, especially for a company, our size with our ambition, really seeing everything maturing one year is, uh, is thrilling. Well, I'm really excited for you and the team and, and to continue your growth. And we'll have to have you come back on to kind of share, share updates with us or, and maybe we can even ping you for like a, an article or something if, uh, if we can't always link up on a, on a podcast, but, uh, I would I would really love to hear um, 
someone in your life for the last question. Uh, it can be someone you've worked with. It could be a family mm -hmm. member, someone that's impacted you the most in your career thus far. Oh gosh. Yeah. That, I, I think everyone who impacted the most are uh, a patient on some extent, right? I'll start with my son who has a CNS conditions. Like uh, I was already working CNS when he was born, uh, but he was the personal touch and he's doing super well and so on. And I consider myself lucky and blessed every single day for that. Uh, and then when I, when I joined Braxis, I had the great pleasure to meet and to really see the people impacted throughout therapies throughout my career. Uh, but it became a lot more real uh, when I came here, right? There, there are two individuals uh, in the company uh, that actually funded a biotech company to advance those uh, programs. Uh, so it's a very unique situation, like taking matters on their own hands is Alex and, and Kelly, and they speak about this publicly, and that's why I, I'm giving their names uh, here as well. It, it was a very different uh, type of emotion, which like professionals to the caliber that uh, it's incredible, like the, just the level of energy they bring to a job professionally. It was a reminder uh, of, of really the importance, right? When you get... Now, someone every day that you respect as a professional, respect as a member of society, as a parent, uh, they have to deal with, with a kids requiring a lot of attention and the fear behind that, transforming that into a motivation. And I think what I see in both of them was, uh, I'm not sure if I would have the strength they had. So uh, giving me that, in the days we all have our ups and downs at the day, uh, that I, I'm a little bit down on the energy. Uh, they are my, my north in terms of like, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, it's, it's not for myself. It's for people outside of the door. I, I've really enjoyed hearing your story and, and the company. And uh, I had to add that, that personal question no, at the end. Sure. I always like those responses. And I'm glad to hear there's the, the you know, with, with your child and, and the patients that you see those those ties there. Um, thank you so much, Marcio, for, for joining me on the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. And like I said, I'd, I'd love to have you come back on in the future. Wonderful. Thanks. I really enjoyed the conversation as well, Jared.